the musical and theatre podcast, brought to you by Theatre Tokens. Give the gift of theatre. Theatre Tokens make a great present for any occasion. They can be used at more than 240 theatres nationwide, including all of London's West End. From Les Mis to Kinky Boots, and from the Mousetrap to the Lion King, you can see them all using Theatre Tokens. For your chance to win £500 worth of Theatre Tokens, go to magic.co.uk. Hello, I'm Alice Arnold, and today on the Musicals and Theatre podcast, I'm talking to Samantha Womack about her career and about the musical she's about to star in. Well, welcome to the Musicals and Theatre podcast, and in the studio today, I've got Samantha Womack, who's probably, I suppose, best known for being Ronnie Mitchell in EastEnders, and you're going to go, oh. Everybody oh, I wonder what you're going to say all then. the time. Oh, but but you, and you're dead now. Is that right? <laughs> dead. She's you're dead. dead. Properly dead. She's properly dead. But Not, who knows in the land of so? I was going to say, is it going to be like out. a Dallas? Are you going to come back or come just, back as a ghost? Or? I would never say never with that place because no. the stories are fantastical. So who knows? <laughs> but for now, I'm dead, drowned in dead. dead, which of course gives you opportunities <laughs> to do other things. To be dead in a musical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Of course, music is was in your family very much, wasn't mm-hmm. it? So your father was a was a singer songwriter. Your mother was an actress. So mm-hmm. was it just like the natural thing? Did you always think, well, that's it? That's what I'm going to do music in my life. Uh, no, my dad was um, living away from home, so he was kind of on his own career. Uh, really, my grandmother, who was a choreographer, she was the most influential because she uh, she looked after me for a long period of time, and she had all her dancers on Cunard chips. And so my understanding of music came from orchestral sounds so like Glenn Miller and all of the big bands and uh, so that's really where the love of music came but I didn't really start uh, I didn't go to a theatre school until I was 14, 15 Hmm. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do and I don't think I even realised I wanted to do it um, when I was doing it you know I had kind of five, six years of working flat out but after I had my first child Ben I took a year off and when I went back to work, I suddenly felt really connected to the work I was doing for the first time. So that was interesting. Mm. I've got to ask you about the Cunard ships because oh. it, it, you you were on the QE two. I lived on the QE two. That that must have been extraordinary. I've been on Cunard ships, but the most recent Queen Elizabeth, which, which is be... not the old QE two, no. which apparently was really glamorous. It was, was it? Um, yeah. So so I was my um, first time I was on the QE two was when I was three years old. But I came from Brighton. Uh, in a really modest little semi-detached house uh, in Hove. And my grandmother, you know, we're talking the 70s as well. So, you know, you were lucky if you'd been on holidays. Um, And suddenly I was taken off um, (laughs) onto this ship that looked unlike anything you'd ever seen, even on the television. It was vast. It was sparkly. The food was incredible. And we went on world cruises. So Haiti, Panama, Egypt... Barbados, when Barbados still looked kind of wild and rugged. And she took me to all those places and it was really, I got a real sense of wanderlust from that age. I loved the world and loved performing in music because of those years probably. Yeah, well you should go back and do cruising now. (laughs) I don't know about Honestly, that. I think I might feel a bit claustrophobic no, on one now. No, it's the best. It's the best. <laughs> is it amazing? I promise you, it's absolutely the best. I mean, the ships are even bigger now. They're like 2,000 people. So if people pester you, you can get away. 
I do remember you, the strongest memory was oh. having that smell of burnt salt on the wood as a kid. So you'd those very, very heavy doors that you'd step yes, over yeah, on, yes. onto the outside deck. And as a kid, when we were completely um, away from any land and sum- submerged kind of with, in blue, it was magical. And you'd smell the burnt salt on the wood. Yeah. And they were really strong memories for me. Those. It also makes you realise how huge the world is because you sail for days and days and days and you don't see anything. Don't see any land, don't see any other ships, don't see anything. No, so and it was my first introduction to wealth and not being wealthy because you uh-huh. have the incredibly wealthy coming off in Haiti and then all the kids that had no money kind of asking for pens or money mm. or whatever. So yeah, first yeah. introduction to that. As Interesting. Well. So then you went to Sylvia Young. That was sort of after your cruising days and living for the cute. <laughs> so, um, so how 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 did that come about that you ended up at Sylvia Young's? I was politely asked to leave my <laughs> North London Comprehensive <laughs> School. I think I was probably um I didn't do well academically. I was academically bright, but I felt quite um stifled in a classroom. I think a lot of kids do, uh and I probably misbehaved and you know caused mischief, but I was actually looking for something to grab hold of to be interested in and my grandmother was working at the time at Sylvia's as a choreographer and said come in for uh, singing lessons on Saturdays which I did and I had this incredible singing teacher called Peter Roberts who was like well the first love of my life really I felt Mm. completely in love with him but just because of his ability to play piano and take me away from you know, the world. And I'd learn songs and I thought, I just, I love this. I must do more of this. And then they accepted me full time. It's wonderful when one person just sort of changes your life yeah. by inspiring you. Or yeah. Whatever, which he, he did it he to a lot of people. Did. Yeah. yeah, there's a Facebook page, I think, that was kind of dedicated to him. He's a really shy man. Yeah. He can play anything. He used to, um, there was a, there were in the days when you could smoke in a classroom. He'd have a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and a raincoat on <laughs> and a cup of coffee on top of the piano. But he just played the most beautiful songs. Um, and we all fell in love with him. So, yeah, he changed a lot of people's lives, I think. Yeah. If you're out there. <laughs> yes. Hello, Peter. <laughs> um, one, one of your first big public appearances was the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah. How nerve-wracking was it doing I, that? I was terrified. I think I was 17 or something. And... I, and um, I wasn't really expecting it to do anything. I was I was unemployed at the time. I just finished doing um, some acting work. I'd done a kind of series called Spats, which was a kids' um, television program. And I, yeah, I just I got the gig, and it was really a paid job. You know, somebody said to me, "Will you come and sing this song? We'll pay you some money." Not thinking for a second that that song would win. Um, so yes, because you was, had to do those trials. You had to do first, the trial thing. Yeah. So for me, it was just I was almost being paid as a session singer. Mm-hmm. You know, and they said, come along, sing this song, sang it, and it seemed to do quite well. And then this hysteria started to build, and that was really nerve-wracking. It it was like being out of control. It was all of a sudden you were kind of, you know, performing in front of 55 million people, and I didn't feel like I was in control at all. So it's quite scary looking back. I was quite young. Terrifying, I would think. (laughs) I mean, Terry Wogan was lovely. I I spent my whole time in his little cubby hole. He's just the nicest man. And uh, I had a really close relationship with him after that for years. Every time I saw him, you know, I remembered that he'd kind of taken me under his wing. He was oh so sweet. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice memory. Of course, after that, then you you went into EastEnders. Um, 
well, I presume there were other things before. Between that was was Grease and, and Guys and Dolls. You, so we, you so we did some musicals. We did, um, we did uh, Game On, which was a kind of culty comedy series. We did two or three series of that for BBC Two. Then we did Babes in the Wood, which was another comedy series. And I was kind of getting known for doing comedy on television. So came back to doing musical theatre. Um, and then started kind of... And then I did a few films and I thought, actually... I wanted to settle. I'd had Lily at that point, so my second child, and I was kind of fed up of keep disappearing for weeks at a time. So I was looking for something kind of steady and close to home. And I was in Guys and Dolls um, at the Piccadilly Theatre, and the producer of EastEnders came in and said, you know, we've got this incredible storyline coming with two Mitchell sisters, and we think you're right. How do you feel about it? And then I went for a tour of the, the square, and that was it. I was hooked. Was in, and that was it. Seven hundred and seventy-eight episodes. Is that how many I did? Apparently, that's, that's why am that's I not what better it, off than I am? That, what have I done? With that's all that what money? it says. <laughs> but obviously, if you go when you go into something like that, I mean, there is fame from 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 theatre and musical theatre in this world. But I, I think it's a very in, it's in very England, it's very limited. Yeah. It's a very limited amount of recognition mm. to suddenly go into a soap where the recognition factor is extraordinary. Well, it's I mean, different. more even than probably film stars get. It is. It's different because you've been in everyone's living room for mm. four nights a week. And some of them have grown up with you. So some of them really feel as if they know you, as if they have kind of uh, a relationship with you, a personal relationship with you. So you just have to get used to that. And I'd had kind of, there were a lot of Game On fans that were quite culty fans, but they behaved very differently. Whereas with EastEnders fans, you know, there were a lot of kids, a lot of teenagers, and, they, and it means so much to them. You, you don't realise until you're in something like that how important it is to so many people. And so, you know, you're obligated really to kind of stand and chat to whoever because it, it means so much to them. But it's completely different from any other kind of exposure. Yeah. So, really. And now that you've gone, well, not very long ago that you, mm. that you stopped, have you noticed it sort of cooling off a bit or not? Or are you still just... Uh, <laughs> no. It no, goes I on think, probably for a long... I think a, it does. Forever, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I spoke um, to another couple of actors who... Um, I mean, it's lucky for me because I was kind of known before I went in. So people knew me as Samantha Janice before I went into mm. there. So I've still got a kind of body of people that still know me from before. It's kids. It's the younger kids yeah. that, that watch it that... Yeah, yell Ronnie across the train carriage. Yes, yes, and I'm not, not sure what you're meant to say to that. Well, I just kind Hello. of, you know, yeah, I just say <laughs> hi and then go red and turn away. <laughs> Right, well, let's get on to what you're doing now, okay. which is you have come hot foot from rehearsals. <laughs> Sweaty, in fact. Sweaty. Well, I didn't like to say that. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say at the beginning of the interview. Slight, slightly sweaty. Um, Shining. From, oh, yes. Glowing. Glowing, glowing, <laughs> of course. From Because you are playing Morticia in the Adams Family musical, yes. uh, which hasn't opened yet, how are rehearsals going? I should explain the reason I'm sweaty is because I tango in it. It's not just because I've been to a rehearsal room right. and said a few <laughs> words. I've been tangoing. There's a huge tango for Morticia and Gomez in the middle of the um, piece. And so the tango is a hard dance. So I'm doing that three, four hours a day. That's that's the kind of exhausting Three bit. or four hours. That's a lot Have of tango. To, it's so complicated, this dance. Um, but we're getting there. And so that's one part of it. But the other side of it is just such a... I mean, it... Adam's family is so embedded in our kind of our knowledge of uh, well cartoons we had it in um the 60s 1960s series but also the huge hollywood films so i think everyone knows the adams family but i wasn't prepared for this um 
piece of work to be so layered and so, it's so interesting. It's so dark, it's so beautiful. Oh, is it dark? It's so dark and it's about... We've got Andrew Lipper who wrote the music and lyrics over with us from New York and he gives these kind of impromptu speeches every now and then about um, his, his reasons for writing a certain lyric or writing a certain song. And he talked today, there's one number at the end of the um, piece called Move Toward the Darkness. And he's saying, really, it's a kind of, uh, you know, at the end of each musical, there needs to always be a kind of happy get-together, mm -hmm. you know, everyone's kind of happy ending. Well, his was about embracing the pain, embracing the darkness, moving towards that thing that you're really frightened of, looking in the shadows. And it's so unexpected with a, a kind of family show that you would get such layers. Yeah, and a proper it's, message, it it's sounds It's beautiful. Yeah. The music is beautiful. It's complicated, the music. It's... He's written it in lots of different styles with all of the different characters. This is a kind of Latin um, type of music for Gomez, traditional old music, um, musicals for um, Morticia, and more contemporary for Wednesday and Lucas. Um, and he brings all these kind of uh, variations of music together with really complicated chord structures and syncopated rhythms. And so it's, it's almost uh, operatic at times. It's gorgeous. It's a really beautiful piece and, and funny. And funny. It's very funny. <laughs> and, it's a lot of torture in no. it. <laughs> <laughs> and it opens in Edinburgh and on the, the 20th yeah. of yeah. April. So. No, it's close. Don't say it. Don't say it. Do you want to count the days? No, don't count the days. No, all right. We mustn't do that. But okay. <laughs> but we're off book and we've blocked it and we're all we have. kind of ready to go. Yeah, well, we are. Really? We yeah, are. Of course but you it just are. makes it scary thinking of the day that you're, you know, you're about to do the whole show. We, I mean, we haven't done tech yet, so we haven't had a chance to do it in its kind of environment. Seen your costumes? Yes, been having costumes and wig fittings all week. Uh -huh. So Morticia obviously is kind of long black wig, tight black gown, mm -hmm. heels. Lots of makeup. Yeah, and kind of, you know, just making her look a bit ghouly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's good. And so that you're on tour with that. Yeah. Um, hopefully, maybe that will come into... Into town. I, I don't know. I can't see why it wouldn't. I mean, it'll just be a case of word of mouth. Does it work? And mm -hmm. if there's a theatre available, yeah. but I'd love for it to come in. It was two years in Broadway uh, with um, Nathan Lane and BB Newell. Yeah. So, well, fingers a bit crossed. of luck. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And then we'll all be able to see it near to home if we live in London. Well, you can see. come to Wimbledon. People that don't. There's Wimbledon. Oh, Wimbledon. Yeah. Oh, well, they're, they're, that's quite near me. Um, uh, perhaps that's where I'll come. Um, Bring more cakes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you some general questions now about musical theatre. Okay. Right. If you could be any character mm. from a musical, be, not play. Oh, be. Yeah. Mm. Which would it be? Who would it be? Um, I loved Yentl, being Yentl, oh, dressing did you? up as a boy and having a different experience, yeah. Oh, good answer. Yeah. I like that. Yes. What's your favourite musical number from any show? Oh, God, I've got so many. I mean, I love Maybe This Time from Cabaret. Always okay. loved it. Just a great piece. Yeah, it is. So you, you have two teenage children. Would you encourage... I have, well, no, three. Oh, I've got three. My, my stepson's older now, so he's um, yeah, he's in his 20s, but yeah, two teenagers. Uh, so the two teenagers, mm -hmm. would you encourage them to go into the theatre? Uh, I'd encourage them to do whatever makes them happy. I think it's a hard, hard life and you've got to work really hard um, and I'd want them to study everything until they were really sure. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, whatever makes them happy.
Well, lots and lots of luck with thank the tour. You. I can't wait to see the show. We'll come and see us and, in uh, I think I will. And thank you so much for coming in and talking to and us. And thank you for my cake. <laughs> it's a pleasure. I'm Alice Arnold, and that was the Musicals and Theatre Podcast. If you enjoyed that, then you can hear me every Saturday and Sunday morning from 6 till 10 on Mellow Magic, where I have lots of lovely, timeless, relaxing classics, musical numbers and interviews. Music